Hey folks, my name is Girish Bally, the host for Back to Basics, another Back to Basics for another week. Today we have a guest, his name is Chandler, and we are going to be talking about DeFi and Web3. Yes, Back to Basics has already covered Web3s and DeFi and blockchain and crypto and everything else. But what we're going to be doing is we're going to go beyond DeFi and Web3. And what does it mean to a regular person like you and me, not to a youngster? Well, we'll get into that also, because there's a difference between generations, I'm pretty sure. And we're all learning as we go, because the key is to learn and relearn. And that's the key. So today we have a guest. His name is Chandler. So let's bring him on. Chandler, how are you? Thanks for coming to Back to Basics. Yeah, doing well today. Excited to jump on and chat with your audience about DeFi Web3 and how it applies to the regular human being and without needing to stare at screens all day and learn technical mumbo jumbo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you again, Chandler, for, for coming here. And whoever's listening right now, please do comment and question me or question my guest about whatever you think it's best and, and related to this uh, topic today. So Chandler, before we start all the DeFi's and the blockchains and the Web3's and all the other stuff that we're going to talk about and beyond, obviously, what does Back to Basic uh, mean to you? Yeah, it basically means that you've achieved such a level of mastery that you can talk to someone from the vantage point of like a first grader and, and tell someone what a complex topic means and what it is without going into the complexity of the topic so they actually understand it. And in reality, that's how you captivate and keep audiences subscribed to your, your message and your word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you again, Chandler, for all the the, the kind words there. You know, let, let me ask you this here. Uh, the D5, DeFi, and the Web3, is it two different things or is it just one thing? Let's be clear on that part. Yeah, it's probably two different things. I mean, DeFi will operate and it does operate in a Web3 environment. And when we when we think about the Web3 environment, what it really is, is imagine this, you, you log on to Facebook and instead of your name and email and them collecting all this personal info, you just connect your, your wallet or your, your wallet ID. And that wallet ID is your moniker and your ability to connect to that network. So that network never really knows your personal info. So everything is open. Everything is permissionless. You don't need to go through a, a third party enterprise. And so it creates this business or this consumer to consumer connection or this direct consumer connection to where you don't need someone to store your personal info and you don't need permission to log into something. So it makes it a lot easier and more simple to to jump on board. Mm-hmm. Well, Chandler, thank you again. But before we go a little more deep, if you step back a little, when you said wallet ID, does that mean more like a, a customer ID? A uh, What is it? A, a, a unique ID for you itself? Yeah. And so this is kind of where the idea of a wallet. So in, in, the, in the crypto world and in DeFi, you have a wallet. You don't have like a name, email, email address, phone number. You don't have a bank account. Your money and everything you have is stored in your wallet. And your wallet has a wallet ID that, that is attached and associated with the blockchain, which shows what you actually hold on there. And so that ID would essentially be your identity on on web3 that is what makes you you and without anybody actually knowing it's you unless of course you want to tell people who you are Mm. so if i actually gave you how would you know my id till i tell you is that yeah 
Yeah, so I wouldn't know. You you would have your ID and it's private to you. It's public on the blockchain though, so I can see what's inside it. I can see what you hold. I can see what you're sort of doing and what you're signing, but I wouldn't be able to associate that with you unless you actually told me that that was your wallet ID. Like, hey, here's my wallet ID. So it keeps you pretty anonymous. It keeps this industry and Web3 open and what we call permissionless. So you don't necessarily need permission to log into something. You only need to show your wallet ID and that attaches to you and that becomes your identity. Yeah, which yeah, is essentially yeah. secret if you want it to be. But let's say if I, I know your ID and then you know what I'm doing, um, how do you get access to it? Or can you get access to it? Yeah, so the idea of your ID, like if you have a wallet and your wallet ID is, it's, it's open in public, just like the blockchain. So when we think about blockchain, it's an open ledger. So it's an open list of every transaction you've ever made. So it's, it's kind of like saying, okay, here's my bank account. Here's all the transactions I made, just open and public on the internet. But with this, you have the wallet. Nobody knows it's actually you unless you give it to me and tell me it's your wallet, your wallet ID. And that allows everyone basically to see everything that's happening on the blockchain. And the cool thing about that is it removes the idea of being shady about what you're doing, say a business or a government mm -hmm. or an entity or an industry is doing something that's nefarious or not what they're supposed to be doing. All you have to do is trace the transactions back to their wallet ID and you can catch people doing some pretty crazy things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but Chandler, I don't want you to go and look at my my transactions and my ledger. How do I make that private? Or yeah, so, private? So in, essentially with the very nature of blockchain and, and what it would look like, everything is public and open. Mm -hmm. And it's your responsibility to keep that private to you or share it with other people. And essentially what we say, dox yourself. So make yourself known in public. Mm -hmm. Like you can give yourself a name and mm. attach that to your wallet ID, or you can never share that with anybody. You can only use it to log into like applications and consistently and constantly keep yourself secret. Mm -hmm. But then let me go. The sec uh, second step on that is uh, security. Like you can know everything about me just by that ID. So don't you think that's less safe? I mean, I mean, that's where the uh, cyber uh, theft comes in, doesn't it? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So the idea with your wallet ID, it doesn't actually have any personal information associated with you. The only thing people would know is you are the owner of this wallet ID, but they wouldn't, your name isn't on there. Your email isn't on there. Your social security number isn't on there. There's nothing about you on there. It's just a thing that could be associated with you if you tell someone it is, but it holds no personal information. So there's two areas to where this one area where this can be a problem. Number one is if you, if you get hacked, someone steals your wallet and actually takes it over, then you obviously just gave your everything that you're doing to the other person, including what's inside your wallet. Mm. If you're in a position to where you log on to a site and the site is malicious software and they get into your wallet and hack it and siphon it out, then that's another problem. So it's less of a problem about releasing personal information and more of a problem of the idea that you are responsible for your own security and, and safety in the Web3 environment, which is a double-edged sword for a lot of people. And 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 just to be clear, this this stuff that we're talking about right now is more anonymous, right? So people are calling it decentralized finance anonymous. Is that the right uh, term for it? Yeah. So now when we start talking about decentralized finance, the idea behind it is it's open and permissionless, just like the, the idea of Web3. Hmm. So when I go into a decentralized application, and they call it a DApp, decentralized application, when I go in there and I want to use that, Typically in the real world, what happens is I have money, I put it in a bank account, 
the bank there then lends out my money, gives it as credit options across the board to a million different things, charges people like 20% interest for that or more. Hmm. And then I earn like maybe 0.0001%, 0.1% if I'm lucky on what I put into my bank. And hmm. so what happens in Web3 is you remove the bank from the equation. So I put my money into what we call like a liquidity pool. The protocol there then uses smart contracts to lend out and use my funds to help people swap and move around. And then I get a percentage of that fee. I get the 20% that the bank would usually take. And that goes to me as a pro liquidity provider fee or as a lender fee. And I get to earn that rather than the bank taking it all away. Mm -hmm. But then what is the benefit of the, uh, of the bank? I mean, I'm, I'm working with you directly and you're gaining and I guess gaining money out of it, right? And percentage out of it. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Like what's the idea? Why do we need the banks? Why do we so need the banks? So here's the thing about DeFi is the bank, you basically give up any sort of profit on your savings account for the security of your money being safe. On DeFi, you are responsible for your security. There's no FDIC insurance. There's nobody who's going to come back and reimburse you if something happens. If your wallet gets hacked, it's probably gone forever. So the problem that people associated with DeFi might not be interested in is you're responsible for your own security. You're responsible for your own destiny. Whereas the bank, if I have my money in there and I go put something on a credit card and get scammed, they'll give me my money back. If I do that in DeFi, it's gone. It's not coming back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the thing is that the, the trust factor comes in, right? Because technically I don't trust you, but I trust the bank, even though that I don't trust the bank because it's an institution versus an individual, right? So how do we how do we do that trust factor between the two? Yeah, so the way this works in DeFi is it's not necessarily me giving you my money, so I don't I don't have to trust you or even associate with you in the transaction. Mm -hmm. What happens is you put your money into a decentralized application, which is the blockchain, which is what we call a smart contract. Mm -hmm. So your money and your funds go into a smart contract. It gets locked into that smart contract with other people's money and funds, and then that smart contract operates without humans. So the smart contract operates as it's intended. It uses the money for swaps, adjusts it, modifies it, gives you the feedback, and always keeps it there. Then when you want to pull it, you just pull it out of that smart contract. So it's not that I'm actually interacting with you. It's that we're all pooling our money together to allow these smart contracts to allow liquidity to, put, be, to, liquidity to be put out, to allow credit products and lending to happen, and to ultimately allow this entire blockchain and this DeFi system to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you again. Because I mean, blockchain transaction is more of a a personal risk, right? And and you you have to take that risk eventually, right? But the, the the problem that I think people are facing is that they don't want to risk a lot of money or risk any money for that matter, because money's kind of expensive, isn't it, to to waste. So what are your thoughts on that part? Yeah, I think it, you have to be careful. And DeFi can be the Wild West because like I said earlier, you're responsible for your own security. And the benefit of DeFi is on my investments right now, I'm earning between 30% and like 100% interest on what I put in. The mm -hmm. downside is if I don't know what I'm doing and I'm not paying attention, I can put it into the wrong smart contract and lose everything. Mm -hmm. I, a protocol can get hacked and I can lose everything. Mm -hmm. So part of DeFi right now is the people in it are the people who are early. The people who are early are the people who do typically very well financially when they get into the, these products early. But if someone gets into this thing, and they don't know what they're doing, they can very easily lose everything. And so I think my biggest piece of advice for this realm is to smart, start small. Mm. Start off with a little bit, see how that goes for a few months, then maybe a little bit more. But never put yourself in a place to where it's like your entire life savings 
Uh, mm. For me, I, I've set up a strategy to where I have my business treasury in DeFi and we're able to produce a substantial amount of income that gives us an asset structure to be able to pull from. But mm. I think it takes a long time to be able to figure that out and really understand how to systematically make that work and not get hacked and not get wrecked and, and not lose everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you again, Chandler. And before we move further with some other questions that I have, can we explain to everyone who is Chandler and what does he do and what does he not do? Can you explain that if you don't mind? Yeah, for sure. So I was just a young 26 year old kid who went for went med school in the original realm because I was a little bit disenfranchised by the whole medical system on the West. I, I just didn't like the idea of giving pills for a living. And, and it's not a shot at doctors. It's just a whole system. It's how it's designed. And so that led me to opening up a brick and mortar business, taking the brick and mortar online, and then consistently building and growing business. But at the same time, I had to figure out what to do with my money. Mm -hmm. And so originally back in, I think 2016, I bought Ethereum and it was $15 a coin. We bought a bunch of it. And now it's two or 3,000, even in a down market, it's $2,000 a coin. So that was a pretty big bump in terms of how much we got out of that investment. Mm -hmm. And then I invested in several other crypto projects that skyrocketed. We got Litecoin at $15 a coin. At the peak, it was like 300. We got Matic when it was 20 cents a coin. At the peak, it was like $3. And so we, I have a track record of being able to find really good things. But the next problem presented itself as, what do I do with this money that we're making? And so I started moving that into DeFi. And playing around and i got wrecked originally a few times because i didn't know what i was doing and then i figured it out and now i have a system to where we can take what we earn and move it into this DeFi class and then create a, what i call a pillow so where mm -hmm. all of my financial resources move into that pillow and i'm no longer spending money that we earn i'm only spending money that comes out of that pillow because it's a compounded rate of return mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you <laughs> thank you again chandler for for all that uh, you know people they still are finicky about cryptocurrency. So I want everyone to know whoever's listening and, 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 and viewing here, May 16th week, which is uh, sometime last week, sometime, I had a whole bunch of crypto episodes. There are two, matter of fact, and you can just listen to those and, and get some idea of what Chandler is actually talking about, because there's a lot of people who, who went into the cryptocurrency and made good fortune out of that. So the, Chandler, thank you again for for your feedback and all that. And I don't want to get into the details of that because I've already explained other episodes already on that. But let me let me ask you this. When I asked you what to talk about, you did say that there are three strategic uh, plan that you had. What are your thoughts on the steps of the D5 Web3 and earning 30 to 100% uh, portfolio? Can you explain that if you don't mind? Yeah, for sure. So step one is what I call find the problem and that's associated with crypto. So, and I know you talked about in the previous episodes, but that's the idea of saying, okay, there's Ethereum. What's mm. the problem with Ethereum? Well, it has congestion and high gas fees. People can't mm. use it. Okay. What solves that? Matic level layer two scaling solution solves gas and congestion. So mm. then I get into Matic. I got into Matic really early and that mm. went nuts. And then mm. I said, okay, well, what's the next big trend? Metaverse. Okay, cool. What's a project that's actually has a functioning metaverse. And then I got into MANA, Decentraland early. And so that's the first step. Then the second step that goes into DeFi and sort of in Web3 is what I call use looping leverage. Hmm. And that's the idea of taking the product, the revenue from your business, from your investments, from all over the place and moving them into stable assets of DeFi. Hmm. And so for me, where I think a lot of people get wrecked is they come into DeFi and they try to get something that's producing like 10,000% interest, which 
isn't sustainable and, and it shouldn't be. It's not even believable. That's even an option. So what I do is when I go into DeFi, I don't use volatile assets because I don't want the money I'm earning to go up or down. I want it to consistently go up slowly. Hmm. It's sort of the Warren Buffett strategy of DeFi. And so uh, when we go into this, what we do is we put money into stable assets that stay at near the, at $1. And we earn interest in liquidity pools that allow us to earn that 30% plus interest and allow it to slowly creep up, but never break away from the original investment that stays at that $1 point. Mm. But the thing is that how do you know that if it is going to go up or crash? I mean, that that's the main thing, isn't it? I mean, that's more like a, a stock playing, right? So how do you know? Yeah. So when we do this, we use what we call stable assets and stable assets are called stable coins. And you have to be careful with stable coins, but their idea is to only be pegged. They're pegged to $1. So you put all your profits into these $1 coins and they never break from a dollar. They always stay right at that $1 point. And then you take that and you combine it with another stable asset that stays at a dollar, mm. put it into a liquidity pool, earn 30% off of your coins that stay at a dollar. And so mm. you're earning essentially your earnings look, what you're putting in looks like this. It stays in a straight line, but then your interest allows that line to start curving up. But let me, let me ask you this. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but what does it mean by stable coin? If you don't mind uh, asking that. Yeah. So a stable coin is defined as a coin that only that stays at a dollar it's pegged to the U S dollar. So it doesn't go up or down. It stays in a straight line basically. Got it. Got it. Th thank you again for explaining that. And, uh, I think we'll have to do a little more homework uh, when it comes to the, because it looks like we're learning more and more, even more I asking you uh, the question. So thank you again for that. Now, now the main question is, Chandler, what is beyond all this? Because it seems like, I don't know if this is more of a, a hoopla, a fad or what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, what's the next step after that? Yeah, I think there's two concepts. I mean, the, the next step and the idea of like the overall vision is like an open and permissionless internet, an internet that isn't centralized, an internet that isn't, someone can't essentially shut down a platform because they don't like it. Another country can't shut down Facebook because they don't believe in it. Mm -hmm. And so it allows anybody to have open and free access to the internet and to, it to be available regardless where you are worldwide, mm -hmm. which would be a, a significant milestone in terms of, of, of how some people are allowed to consume media and mm -hmm. what's manipulated and what's not. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of things with like decentralized finance, this is allowing people who aren't accredited investors, people mm -hmm. who aren't in a position to have make millions of dollars off of their investments to mm -hmm. make money in a way that's in a position to where they essentially control it. It's no longer put your money into a savings account, hope and pray mm -hmm. you make half a percent of interest or ride the stock market and hope you make 10% because you're not an accredited investor who can short and long the market and double those profits. You can mm -hmm. now remove that entire ecosystem and mm -hmm. be your own bank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chandler, thank you. Thank you again. You know, uh, I have just started a new segment uh, for Back to Basics, and I wanted to ask you a question. The question is, do you have any books that do you read to help out this topic for uh, for today that other people can read and just get some more knowledge out of it? Yeah, this is such an early industry. There's no real books to teach you like DeFi and the concept of Web3, but I think you can get a lot out of some financial books like The Power of Zero is really good. Another mm -hmm. one that I liked a lot is called The Road Less Stupid. It's just, mm -hmm. it's the concept of entrepreneurship. It's the concept of thinking time. It's the concept of using your, your brain and removing emotion and installing logic into the equation, which mm -hmm. I think is the most important piece because a lot of us hear something and we jump into it and get wrecked. 
Mm. What we need to do is hear something, think about it, move slowly into it so we can create a systematic and solidified plan to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you again, Chandler, for, for answering that question. And I'll, I think I'm going to be reading that book too. And, and I'll tap on you whenever I have a question uh, on those uh, books there. So Chandler, thank you again for coming here. But before you leave, do you have any last words to all my viewers and my listeners? And how is your journey on Back to Basics doing on top of that? Yeah, I think my last word is if you want to get into this stuff, do it one one step at a time. Start learning, start following people. You can follow like me on YouTube. Just search for Chandler Walker. I, I think my YouTube name is Chandler Walker SAF. Just watch videos, really understand who, who has your best interest at heart and who's shilling. Because in this market, a lot of people are getting paid to tell you to buy stuff and then they're going to dump on you and you're going to get wrecked. So you mm-hmm. have to be careful. You have to do your due diligence and go one little micro step at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chandler, thank you again for for coming on Back to Basics. I'm uh, very honored, actually, uh, by learning from you, understanding what the Web3 is and what the the crypto is and what the D5 is and all the fun stuff and what we're going to be looking forward to and and definitely the books and the nuggets that you have given us. So thank you again for coming here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hopefully we gave everyone some nuggets of value and they're walking away with a new model of the world. Yeah, I hope so too. Thank you. Thank you again, uh, Chandler, for for coming here. Thank you. So guys, we spoke with uh, Chandler today and we talked about the basics of D5 and Web3 and crypto and all the powers of zero, isn't it? Isn't that what he said? I think that's what he said. Now there's, as usual, as always, there's a quote of the day from Back to Basics and hopefully Chandler would like this uh, quote. The quote is, trust because you are willing to accept the risk not because it's safe or certain which means that you got to do your homework when you do any of this stuff because it is definitely one thing can lead to bankruptcy and you don't want that you want to gain right that's what you want to do and that's what Chandler did he learned and learned and learned and he's still learning as we uh, speak uh, because there's no such books yet so keep on learning now as usual as always what do we always say at the end of the episode Everything in life goes back to basics, and that's what we did today, guys. Guys, take care. God bless. Keep on commenting on all my episodes because it does make me stronger day by day, week by week, because we do release every day. And the three things, including this episode, makes it successful for me, that is, which is the content, the guest, and definitely the host. Guys, take care. God bless. And keep on commenting on all of them. Take care. God bless. Next week's episode on Back to Basics. And then as, as time goes by, then you get uh, a bigger audience, you're building your foundation stronger. So you have a more reliable building, you know? So it's the way I think about it. It's even like, you know, when you have a new website, you don't get visitors right away. You don't. Google doesn't know your website right away. It has to be indexed. They have to know what it is about what you're offering.